name is Inigo Montoya. Hello, Marion. Indiana Jones. Hello. Use the false loop. What's your job, Marlo? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. What's up now? Spider friends. Go for it. Transform and roll out. And all forms the head. That's what she said. Hey, this is Jonathan. And this is Alan, and welcome to the Nerdy Me Podcast. Jonathan, what are we talking about today? Alan, today we're going to be discussing some of our favorite 80s teen movies. A.K.A. the the decade of John Hughes. Yeah, right. John Hughes and the Rat Pack. Nope, not the Rat Pack. Dang it. The Brat Pack. (laughs) (laughs) The Rat Pack was the 50s. (laughs) That was only 30 years off. Close enough. We get you. We get you. The Brat Pack. That uh, title, which I, I'm pretty sure they all hated, <laughs> <laughs> being grouped together. Yeah, it was a weird time because everybody thought they were all friends. They all hung like the, the people that stars in these movies. Um, everybody thought they were all good friends. They all hung out together, and some of them were friends, but they really weren't. Yeah, but th- this era of movies uh, spawned huge stars today. Huge. Tom Cruise still relevant oh, yeah. today, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Ralph Macchio who just made Ralph a comeback. Macchio, yeah. Molly Ringwald, who never really went away, I don't think. She's not as huge as she was, but she could still be found in things. Um, uh, uh, Emilio okay. Estevez. Emilio Estevez. Uh, what's his name? Uh, William John Zabka. Cusack. William Zabka. Well. The perennial <laughs> <laughs> bad guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he was really, okay, he was really part of the Brat Pack, though. No. Um uh, it's Anthony Michael Hall. I was going to call him Sir Anthony Michael Hall for some reason. I don't know why. I don't think I don't he was know. ever knighted. <laughs> um, yeah, Judd Nelson. Sure. Uh, John Cusack. Big, big today still. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, lot, lots of huge stars. And you, like you said, decorated John Hughes. Probably uh, most of the movies were, well, not most of them, but we're talking about, I know I'm talking about at least two of his movies. Yeah, I think I got a handful as well. Yeah. Easily. So, yeah. Easily. Uh, so there's something about the, these '80s teen movies. Say they're, you know, they talk about coming of age, but they really kind of, um, I don't know. I, that might have been like the first decade where movies were aimed at teens in that respect, in regards to um, what they were going through. A lot, a lot about sex, a lot about peer pressure, mm-hmm. um, a lot about uh, is it so? Would it be considered social class? I guess or just clicks. Uh, Clicks, there you go. I was going to say peer groups. <laughs> yeah, clicks. Uh, all that is in playing a lot of these movies, especially the John Hughes movies. Uh, things like 16 Candles and Breakfast Club. Um, I mean, these movies were so influential. I, I don't know about you, but in my high school, they started showing The Breakfast Club in like health class. Really? Regards, you know, yeah, when talking about peer pressure and clicks. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they found it like the best kind of movie, too. And it was like, cool like you know only the cool teacher would show better uh uh the breakfast club because they curse in it and we got to hear <laughs> cursing in a movie in school oh <laughs> uh, man i don't care what the principal says you need to see this <laughs> yeah you're cool mr smith <laughs> <laughs> anyway so uh yeah so these are some really great movies and the thing is we were what 13 14 15 when most of these movies came out yeah pretty much yeah, because I remember 16 Candles thinking, man, I can't wait to turn 16. Looks awesome. <laughs> now I have a niece that's turning 15. I'm like, he better not be thinking about sex as much as these guys were. <laughs> oh, they part. are. <laughs> oh, no, shut up. <laughs> no. Yeah. 
Easily. Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny. We, we're looking back at these movies 30 years later, and man, well, some of them are pretty racist. Well, 16 Candles has pretty racist stuff in it. Sure. Um, yeah, but it's, it's 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 weird to look back as a grown man and look and, and look at these movies like, man, kids really just think about sex all the time. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. If I'm looking at the list that we, we, we pulled together, that, I would say that's kind of the... the the common denominator amongst all these films, I think. I think, except maybe one or two. Right. Yeah. But it's also just kind of about, and I think the common one of the other common denominators is just finding who you are, being who you are, no matter what the other people around you are saying or doing. You know, know who you are, and and then live that way and be that person. I think the modern. If you had to pick like the modern version of these kind of films, I'm thinking American Pie, maybe. We kind of have that kind of. Maybe the closest, but even I mean, how can it be modern? That's American Pie is twenty years old. Is it really? Yeah, it came out like ninety eight ish. Mother effort. I think. I, I mean, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, for could some be reason, right. I'm thinking it was twenty years ago. Wow. Oh my gosh. Man. All right. Ninety nine, maybe. I, I'm pretty sure it came up before. Is there uh, the modern version of these kind of movies today? You don't really see much of these kind of styles, you know. Of well, I, I feel like I feel like all the teen movies are about dystopian. Uh, the Earth is a dystopian <laughs> place, and they, and all the teenagers have to fight the adults, you know, like Hunger Games and right. Divergent and all this other nonsense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, again, they're making these movies aren't going to be made for us. So sure. Uh, you know, maybe maybe things like The Fault in Our Stars and things like that. I haven't seen it. I know my niece has seen it. Okay. Uh, American Pie came out in '99, so yeah, 20 years old. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, that's hmm. a lot. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna get started. Why don't you? Uh, you want to start with your first movie? Okay, I'll, I'll I'll start off with I think the most most known on my list. I'm gonna go with 1982's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. This movie was insane. Uh, huge cast: Sean Penn, Jennifer Jason Lee, Judge Reinhold, Phoebe Cates. I think. Well, anyway, For, did I say Forrest Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker. Um, these are huge, huge names, and it's it's funny because you know we decided to do this particular show because well, school starting, especially on the East Coast, where in the West Coast they started about a month ago. So we decided to do this this teen back to school kind of theme, and Fast Times is one of those movies where even as a kid I was even thinking like this is way too much, you know, with, <laughs> with like how big a scope things were 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 happening. You know, um, I think it was a time where it was. Wasn't it cool to be a stoner? But uh, or maybe Sean Penn just made it popular, maybe at the time. Um, but the same kind of themes that you would uh, with these other movies is, uh, I, I think what you know, sex and and love and and I would say the nerd trying to get the pretty girl kind of deal. Um, so, you know, kind of things like that. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. This the, the the main theme of this movie is very similar to another movie I'm going to be talking about. But um, I mean, that's kind of what it is. But this movie is really, really big at the time. Um, I know my brother told me about this movie and I, I liked it. But uh, budget five million made 27 million domestic 50 overseas. I mean, that's that's pretty good for its time. Oh, absolutely. 1982. And a, and a young Forrest Whitaker. I, I'm, I think it's one of his first roles. Yeah, I was going to say I was, that is probably is his break and. And I remember as a kid thinking, that was one big dude. Uh, <laughs> but and uh, and Phoebe Kate, she's one of those. 
she is one of those stars where I thought she'd be a lot bigger today. Yeah. Well, you know, it is. I think she she purposely stopped acting. She um, uh, yeah, because she was she was big for a few year span there in the eighties, and um, she got married to Kevin Klein, I believe, and I think a little bit after that, she just kind of maybe focused on the family or just did yeah, other things. That's exactly what um, she did. Which good for her, but she she was beautiful. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. Obviously, that the iconic scene in that movie is her. Well, it's Judge Reinhold uh, daydreaming about her and of her getting out of the pool and taking her top off. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the. Um... No, I didn't see this in the theater. Did you? No, I, no, I yeah. doubt. I don't think I was allowed to at the time. Yeah, I was. I was much older by the time I was like fifteen, sixteen. Probably when the first time I saw this, um, and I probably saw it on TV first. You know, so I probably didn't get to see a lot, hear the cursing or see the uh, the nudity. Um, but yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, it dealt with a lot of different, you know, it dealt with dating, it dealt with, you know, she has an abortion in it. Um, it just dealt with a lot of different topics that, if you saw it before you went to high school, you're like, man, high school's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and Sean Penn's turn as, as uh, the stoner and Mr. Han. Mr. Han. Mr. Han. And if uh, I'm here and you're here, isn't it our time? <laughs> you're right, Mr. Spigoli. <laughs> he gives away his pizza. <laughs> the guy ordered a pizza in class. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so, but Fast Times is, yeah, Fast Times is one of those movies, uh, when I was growing up, you know, I wasn't allowed to, obviously we weren't allowed to see it, and I knew my older brothers and my sister had seen it, and I'd be like, tell me what it's about, and they wouldn't tell me. <laughs> so it was like this mysterious thing until I was like 15 or 16. Um, and then by then I had seen, I think it was, what was what was kind of groundbreaking for the time because it kicked off, like, because a lot of movies kind of copied it after it. I remember I, I remember really liking a movie with uh, Chris Penn and um, who's the original Marty McFly? Uh, Redhead, Eric Stoltz. They were in a movie with uh, actually Leah Thompson called The Wildlife. Oh, really? Which was, a, which, you know, it was just a total ripoff of Fast Times. But I had seen The Wildlife before Fast Times. And it was a comedy as well? It was a comedy. Same same pretty, pretty same basic uh, structure as uh, Fast Times. Okay. Um, yeah, but it was, it kind of kicked off this the team movie things. Um, probably, probably, I don't know if it influenced, but probably uh made it a little okay because the success made studios less cautious about making some of the movies we're going to be talking about uh in this episode oh, sure. so yeah i think i think fast times ushered in kind of the whole maybe the genre might not have been the first but it probably first one became really popular yeah um and kind of helped usher in the whole you know the rest of the decade the movies we're going to be talking about oh i just remember you know my friends everyone trying to imitate spicoli you know the lines how he spoke um you know, people just want to emulate this guy. Yeah, and he was just a straight-up sto- surfer stoner. Yeah. You know, Nick Cage is in it. You know, he had two friends that were his... his Nick Cage was in this movie? I don't remember two, him. The, well, the two other surfer dudes that hung out with Spicoli, one was Nick Cage, one was Anthony Edwards. No way! Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Is that when they're, they're entering the restaurant and he's like, no shirt, no shoes... No dies. Yeah. His buddies. Oh, yeah, that's what they want to Yeah, the, the Judge Reinhold restaurant where he's working at. <laughs> it was like a pirate buccaneer kind of place. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so good choice. Good choice. Great soundtrack, too. Oh, yeah. All, all of these, I think we're going to bring up our amazing soundtracks. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What you got next? <clears throat> All right. My first one uh, came out a year later in 1983. Now, you talked about the star-studdedness of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Try name the movie. I'm going to name the stars. Let me see. I'm sure you'll be able to guess. But let me name these, this powerhouse of actors in this movie. <clears throat> yeah, C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macho, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, Diane Lane, and uh, <laughs> Leif Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> um, what movie am I talking about? The Outsiders, of course. The Outsiders, stay gold, pulling boy. Yeah. Yeah, The Outsiders. We're talking about the, the, Soch- the Socias versus the Greasers. Um, you know, it's... Uh, uh, you got Swayze and um, I'm trying to figure which ones were the brothers. Swayze, Rob Lowe, and C. Thomas Howell were, were the brothers. They're, and they had great names like Pony Boy and Dallas and Soda Pop and 2-Bit. Oh, yeah, 2-Bit. Um, a very young, beautiful Diane Lane playing Cherry Valance, which was a great name for for a, <laughs> a girl who's a soch who was falling for uh, uh, one of the uh, – Greasers, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you know, and just it's kind of like a weird, no, not West Side Story because it's very much about class. What associates were the the middle middle income, the rich kids, and um, obviously the uh, the Greasers were all the poorer kids. Uh, there were no, I don't even know if there were any parents on the Greaser side. You know, when all the guys hung out together, um, you know, it, it breaks out when there's a fight, uh, someone gets. Uh, stabbed or shot, I believe, and um, they have to go on a run. Three of them go on a run, and and uh, Ralph Macho's character Johnny uh, dies in a in a fire, saving kids from a fire. You know, which brings us the uh, great lines uh, he says to Pony Boy, "Stay gold, to Pony Boy." And then, uh, you know, Dow- later on, Dallas says, "Do for Johnny, do for Johnny." Right. You know, uh, just a great movie. Just just uh, a really focused on um the, the, the different classes you know uh, this isn't about clicks or anything like that this is more about an econ- socioeconomic thing going on in this in the town they're living in and and um you know how they just butt heads and they and they wind up fighting and then so it's got a little west side story slash Romeo and juliet vibe with cherry um wanting to date um was it pony boy i believe yeah oh, and uh, be, yeah. yeah and just just going from there but it's 1983. All none of these guys were names yet. I don't. I don't, I don't think Tom Cruise definitely wasn't a name yet. I think Matt Dillon at the time was maybe the most popular amongst them. I think. Yeah, maybe Matt. Yeah, I think you're right. It might have been Matt Dillon. Maybe him or C. Thomas Howell. Right. Depending on, on what's been out yet. Yeah. Um, you know, it's written by S. E. Hinton. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Is that sick? Which is <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Um, He's kind of great. Yeah, he's made one or two great movies. Um, uh, I saw Ralph Macchio last year at one of the cons I, I go to, and I didn't ask, but someone asked him about just working with those actors, and, and you know, he's like, you know, we didn't, you know, obviously we didn't know how big everybody would be, and they were just kind of happy to be working with Francis. Um, oh, that's and, pretty. Cool. Uh, yeah, and he just gets kind of talked about what a great learning experience was for him. It was one of his first movies and things like that. So, but yeah, The Outsiders is, is just a great. I remember seeing it. I, I, I don't know if the memory is correct, but this is how I remember. I remember seeing it with my brothers, and we went the same time my mother went to see Gandhi. Oh wow! 
you know, Gandhi's like a four-hour movie. Yeah. And this is maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. So when we got out, we had to wait because my mom drove. We had to wait for my mom, and she came out like maybe maybe 20 minutes after we came out. And we're like, all right, it's time to go. And she's like, no, this is intermission. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting in that theater for like another two hours. I'm like, man, she's going to at least run for another movie for I us. Know. I remember sitting in that lobby. For, I felt like forever. It's probably, you know what, now that I look back, I mean, I was young, so maybe it was like maybe an extra half hour. But I just remember feeling like it was forever. So I know for a fact she went to see Gandhi um, while we saw The Outsiders. That's cool. That's a cool. Yeah, story. and it was really cool because I, you know, it wasn't, you know, I was when I won, I was I was going to see kids movies like Star Wars, Empire, one of my first ones was like the black stallion so this felt like you know even though i was with my brothers i was like oh this kind of felt like a grown-up movie and it was pretty cool yeah that was pretty yeah. dark on this one too with with the death and the stabbing and the shooting and stuff well yeah i, I remember when, when ralph macho dies when pony boy dies in the fire i'm like did he just did he die was this rated like, r I um let me see i don't pg uh, wow really but yeah you gotta remember this was before the pg-13 uh rating came about right, uh, this probably yeah. would, this probably would have been pg-13 if it yeah. had been around uh and let me see i think it did pretty well uh made 25 and a half million mm, pretty good and it cost about 10 million i don't have the worldwide numbers for it though but yeah so that's a good deal yeah it was 91 minutes that's not bad not bad at all but yeah, like I said, uh, the, the sheer star power in this film is ridiculous. Yeah, I can't believe how, how many big names are in this particular film. I mean, they all turned out to be wonderful actors. I mean, even today, Rob Lowe is still on TV. Or maybe he was. I know he was in Parks and Recreation. He was doing something like that. Uh, yeah, he was He was doing, he was on West Wing, he was doing Brothers and Sisters, he did Parks and Recreation. Yeah, Rob Lowe was, uh, even see Thomas Howell, you'll see. The thing about C. Thomas Howell is he was huge in the 80s. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if Soul Man killed his career or he just kind of faded away. Um, but he, Soul he Man. Up, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. <laughs> Please, I'm sure he wishes he, for, he could forget about that movie. That was a funny um, movie. But he was on one of my favorite shows from from uh, within the last 10 years called Southland. He was a cop. That yeah, was a really good show. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, you'll see him pop up every now and then. I feel like he just showed up on something. But, anyway... Um, I wonder if it has Matt, to do with age because you know how like these kids are playing you know they're like 28 but they're playing 17 year olds yeah maybe yeah, he's maybe. just older you know I mean look at Tom Cruise I mean Tom Cruise was early 60s but guys it looks fantastic no 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 he's he's, he's like mid 50s mid 50s yeah it's even better looks really but I'm sure if, if you took the combined movies of C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macho, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez and Tom Cruise and we'll throw Diane Lane in there too you're talking a lot of money they made for their studios they worked for. Oh, for yeah. sure. Now, obviously, Tom Cruise is the biggest name out of all of them. Um, but I think Diane Lane is a, is, a, is a near second because she's still you'll still see her in things. Emilio Estevez had his period in the 90s and 2000s when he was big. Rob Lowe was on TV a lot. Um, you know, Swayze passed away, but he had some big hits. Uh, and Ralph Macho just made a comeback with, whatchamacallit? Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, great movie, Outsiders. And let me say this: if if you're listening, you haven't seen any of these movies we're talking about today, do yourself a favor and watch them because they're fantastic. Yeah, Outsiders was a great film. I, I remember yeah. thinking like it was. I remember as a kid liking, even though the, the themes were very serious, I liked it. You know, it works. 
Yeah, it was kind of like the first movie. Uh, now, you know, I grew up in the city, but I, and we weren't rich by any means. We were probably lower middle class in terms of, of economic status. But, uh, you know, even growing up in, in, in Jersey City, I didn't realize how how bad some people had it. And, you know, the greasers, they were poor. You know, they didn't have parents. And, uh, yeah. and it was kind of eye-opening. And, you know, they were just trying to live their lives and... You know, of course, the associates were painted very much as the bad guys, looking down on them and things like that. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of the first time I ever realized that there was that side of the tracks, I guess, for yeah. lack of a term. Yeah. Great film. Great film. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm going to lighten it up. I'm going to take you to 1985. Weird Science. This, this is one of those movies I remember even as a teenager I think I would watch like over and over again for some reason but <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall is Gary Kelly LeBrock uh, I guess this is her breakout role um, the guy they played Wyatt uh, Ian Mitchell Smith I don't know if he's done anything after that um, the Bill Paxton oh Robert Downey Jr. as a punk and he's kind of portrayed as a punk I think in most of the 80s and stuff um, but this is a fun movie where he got the the cliche, two nerdy kids, and and they create their ultimate woman, and uh, and then hilarity ensues. But uh, John Hughes, so this is one of his movies that he's done. He's great with these teen movie, teen comedies, I think. Um, but this is one of those movies, like I said, I, I watch over and over again. And, and again, they'd have these these unreal parties in the house, you know, like these enormous parties and as a kid you're like that can't be happening in high school you know but they would always do all these high school parties even today these unreal parties or maybe they are real we just don't know but we're not invited to them but there's just <laughs> these big big parties and the motorcycle gang but it's a, such a fun movie um and and like i said it's one of those things i think when i was in high school i would kind of quote a lot also a lot of funny funny scenes Oh yeah, weird science is very quotable. It's it's hilarious because it's like you said, it's the two nerds and they you know they create a woman Lisa who's got pretty much all these magic powers. Whatever the guys want, she can give them. And you know she turns the older brother Chet, um, played by Bill Paxton, played brilliantly by Bill Paxton, into some kind of weird blob, globulous like monster. <laughs> <laughs> Freezes his grandparents when they come to visit. Um, you know, makes makes uh, the other other guy's parents forget who he is, <laughs> so he could party. <laughs> who are you? Um, yeah. Um, you told me you were combing your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I still say that. I still say that. <laughs> or if I come out of the bathroom, be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, I was combing my hair. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Um, but they yeah, just wanted very... to be popular. They just wanted to be noticed, I guess. Yeah, you're right. They just wanted to be popular. They just wanted to not be picked on all the time and, and the butt of everybody's jokes. And apparently, and that's that's another thing these movies taught us. If you could throw one rager of a party, uh, <laughs> your whole life will change. <laughs> um, well, the, the, it ends nice because I think the boys kind of confront their their fears or their their insecurities, and that's how they you know overcome themselves, I guess. Because in the end, they they get the girl. But don't they still have their like cool cars and all that? Um, yeah, <laughs> they do. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. yeah. But they won over the girls, which I I think in the beginning of the movie they wouldn't give them the time of day, 
and uh, they showed they they won them over by showing their courage and how they would protect them and stuff. And 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 Lisa didn't really do that for them. They had to kind of do it themselves. So they had to kind of find oh. their way. Yeah, that's true. They uh, the Mad Max uh, people that break through the house. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it was a good, uh, you know, like you said, very quotable. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays one of the one of the guys that would pick on them. Um, you know, uh, just so many great lines in that movie. I just thinking of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lisa, he ain't got his license, Lisa. <laughs> Give me the keys, I'll drive. <laughs> in the family jewels. <laughs> Awesome! Totally awesome. Yeah. The budget was so, seven point five million, made almost forty million. Wow, that's huge. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was like a movie that kind of ripped it off called My Science Project. I think it was called. There was also uh, I vaguely a little... remember that. Was that with? Yeah. Uh... Oh, what's that guy's name? From Top Gun, Val Kilmer. No, that's um, Real Genius, which is oh, actually... right. Real Genius is really good. Um, yeah, so it's Weird Science kind of kicked off this comedic, science-y trope <laughs> that, that <laughs> you know, had spurned maybe uh, three or four more extra movies. Right. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Kelly LeBrock is just gorgeous. Like, Oh, yeah. It was insane. Yeah. And Anthony Michael Hall doing what he does best, playing a geek. Yeah. And he made him look cool, too. So I like that about that. He made his own, own transformation. Yeah, because his his character was a little bit more hipper than Wyatt was the dark haired one, right? Yeah, Gary and Wyatt. Yeah, so Wyatt was more like, I don't know if we should do this. Gary's was always one like, Come on, we should do this. And Wyatt's <laughs> like, I don't know if we should do this. And so he kind of, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character, you know, kind of was always wanted to do those things. Where Wyatt was like, no, I want to rock the boat, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're wearing bras on their head. <laughs> Are those women's underpants? <laughs> Chet, I can explain. No, no, no. There's psychological problems here. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, like when he takes his sandwich or, or, or whenever his eggs or he eats them, he goes, this tastes pretty good. You spitting this? <laughs> I, I still say that. <laughs> you spitting this? Oh, that's, that's good this? stuff. <sighs> okay. How about a nice greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray? <laughs> what does he say after that? He, he pretends he's gonna vomit, and then he starts laughing. He's like, because he's trying to, because they're hungover. He's trying right. to make them throw up. Yeah. He, goes, <laughs> he starts laughing at him. But what, what does snoring. what does Gary say after? He's like, he's such a. He goes, he's an asshole. Oh, he's an asshole. Anyone with a haircut like that has got to be an yeah, asshole. Goes, Look at his haircut. You know he's an asshole. <laughs> Oh, oh, I love, love this okay back, When they're driving, they crash the car. Yeah. Are you okay back there? Well, my nuts are halfway up my ass, but other than that, <laughs> it's the way he delivers the line. It's great. Absolutely. He's talking about the eighth grade girl he was in love with. He's talking to the police. <laughs> she broke my heart. <laughs> oh, weird science. All right, what else you got? All right, um... All right, let's stay on the Anthony Michael Hall train. Okay. And let's talk about 16 Candles. Oh, yeah, there you go. 16 Candles starred Molly Ringwald and Samantha. Um, a gentleman named Michael Schoffling, Schoff, Schoffling was Jake, and he popped up in quite a few 80s movies, and he kind of just gave up um, 
uh, acting. Um, but he was the hunk. He played the hunk in a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of these movies. Jake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was uh, Molly Ringwald, Samantha. Michael Schaffling as Jake and Anthony Michael Hall as and his, this is great. He doesn't even have a name in the movie. They just call him Geek. <laughs> really? Oh, that's yeah. that's funny. Yeah. So uh, it's basically about um, Molly Ringwald turning sixteen and uh, her sister's getting married the same weekend and the family, you know, family are in from out of town and everybody. I mean, it's pretty pretty selfish when you think about it because she's mad everybody forgets her birthday that her sister has to get married the same weekend as her birthday. <laughs> Uh, that's the A plot, I guess. And the B plot is about Molly Ringwald being in love with Jake, who's a senior. I'm assuming she's 16, so she must be like a sophomore, I guess. Um, and she's in love with Jake, and Jake's dating like the, the the homecoming queen and all this other stuff. Um, yeah, and it's just just the fun stuff that happens. Just the weird. See, the, a, a lot of the comedy in these movies comes from like the weird, like peripheral kids in it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, especially 16 Candles, all the. Like they took all, except for Anthony Michael Hall, they took all the kids that are supposed to be nerds or geeks, and it really nerded them up to the nth degree. Like they had these huge, like uh, well, not retainers that wrapped around their faces. They had these really thick glasses and stupid hairdos. Um, you know, because John Cusack is one of his early roles. He plays one of the one of the nerds, and um, you know, his sister Joan plays one of them, and and it's just. Uh, and the funny is, I think Michael Hall's kind of king of the geeks. Right. Know? Or he makes a deal. I can't remember what the deal is about. Um, he makes a deal with Samantha for a pair of her underwear. Right. And uh, do you remember the scene where he... He's in the like, bathroom? He's, he's in the bathroom with all the geeks, and all he does is <laughs> he just holds them up, he holds up the underwear, and they all go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, oh. like, I've never seen him before. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what... He did something for her. Um but yeah, he, he's always he's always trying to hit on her and talk to her on the buses, and, stuff like that. <laughs> and then um, yeah, and, but then they have uh, for comedic purposes, there was a uh, long duck dong. Oh yeah, the exchange student that came um, with the grandparents, I believe, to, for the wedding. Right. Um, and for some reason, was wound up in their school, <laughs> and uh, you know he he was uh, he he was very much a caricature of a Japanese person and. Uh, it was played for laughs, and you know, I mean, I didn't think Japanese people were like that in real life, so I could still laugh at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at his name, Long Duck Dong. <laughs> he would say things like, "No, oh, he probably had the way. most." Like, yeah, he had the probably most quotable lines in the whole movie. Yeah, and I think, well, in the way, same way they exaggerated what what a nerd was, they exaggerated what uh, a Japanese exchange student was. Sure. And they made him even cooler than nerds because the nerds, you know, he he winds up hooking up with a girl and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, he's very cool. You know, no more Yankee, my wanky. <laughs> um, automobile, uh, automobile, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'd go get married, married, married. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a great coming of age uh, movie. I, I, it's weird. I didn't know. When I was younger, if this was considered like a girl movie, because I mean, the main character is a girl. Um, it's about her turning 16. And I didn't realize turning 16 for a girl was such a huge deal until I saw this movie. Right. Um, but no, it's, I mean, I don't think it's a girl movie. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a teen romance. You know, she, you know, spoiled her. Uh, she gets Jake in the end. <laughs> and the geek gets the beauty queen and what could be considered kind of rapey behavior because they both get drunk at a party and hook up <laughs> right uh, 
she wakes up next to him in the car or something like that. Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but I mean, this is. I think Sixteen Candles might be, could possibly be maybe the most popular of these move, types of movies that came out of the eighties. Because I don't know if you know if you remember, but it was huge for teen romance. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, so. it all, and the funny thing is, it cost six and a half million to make and only made in the U.S. twenty three and a half. Yeah. But everybody, everybody I knew in school saw this movie. Everybody quoted the movie. <laughs> uh, every, I mean, it was huge on HBO when it came out. It was huge on video. Just every, this is one of those movies you saw a lot. Right. You know, if it was on PI picks in the morning, you know, on the Saturday, you'd watch it. It was just constantly um, around. You know, I bet you the low box office numbers was probably because Molly Ringwald was doing a whole bunch of a whole bunch of movies with John Hughes and kind of almost playing the same person. You know, you have, you have this one, you have uh, Pretty in Pink, you got The Breakfast Club, you know. So I, I think it's kind of one of those things where that maybe I saw this movie already kind of deals. That's possible. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you why. First of all, it's PG. I can't believe this movie was an R. <laughs> Fast Times Oh, with R. the themes, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Fast Times had to be R. Um, it should be R, that's for sure. 16, yeah. I thought it was PG-13. But I don't, you know what? There wasn't nudity in this one. Wait, doesn't the beauty queen, don't you see her boobs in this movie? Hmm. I don't recall. I don't. I'm, I'm leaning towards no. But then yeah, it, is, it is early '80s, so it's a high possibility. Or she might have. I might have seen them in another teen movie later in the decade. Right. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it was PG, uh, but it was like, and maybe because it was 1984, and I was uh, eighth grade freshman year, so that might have been why too. Like, just the people around me were seeing it and stuff like that. Wow, maybe maybe it was more popular in my circle than it was countrywide. I guess maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, this particular movie, up, you know, I'm from North. I was from North Jersey. I don't remember this movie being that as popular, if I recall. Uh, but oh, then okay. again, I didn't hang out with a lot of the girls either, so I didn't get their point of view either. Uh, that's true. You know, so yeah. Know. But definitely, uh, John Hughes, uh, John Hughes staple. Absolutely. All right. What's okay. your next one? My next one. I like this film. This one. This this movie to me is super cute. This movie is is 1987. It's a little bit later than the ones we've been talking about so far. It is called Can't Buy Me Love, starring a very young Patrick Dempsey. And uh, so the the gist of this movie is is that again another socially awkward kind of kid who likes this girl and he, he he mows her parents lawn and stuff and he basically says listen if you if i pay you money pretend you're dating me and just by association i'll be cool too and and so she does and you know initially she doesn't really like him but in the end she kind of slowly starts to have feelings for him and stuff and uh this is a great movie this is this is a movie where uh, I, I didn't think I was going to like initially, but I remember leaving that movie like, wow, this is one of those nice, feel-good kind of movies where, you know, he gets a girl at the end from, from him just being himself. Again, you know, she finally likes him because she realizes that they have a lot of similarities. And she was actually dating this, I think it was a jock, and she was only with him because, well, you're, you're popular. You can only date the other popular person, you know. And so uh, 
Yeah, so as, as he pays her off to be his girlfriend, they kind of really get to know each other, and she saw a side of him that she never saw before, so... Yeah, I think this is one of the first movies, and, and the vice versa too, because she—you uh, never really got to see the uh, the uh, quote unquote downside of being popular, because she, you know, she she has a monologue in there about um, you oh, know, you it's hard know being popular. Like, to, yeah, right. Yeah, and 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 the whole reason she got into the situation where she needed money is because she was going to a like a big party, and she wanted to wear one of her mother's outfits to impress everybody, and she winds up getting it. Uh, stained or something like wine or something spilled on it and just get it replaced and it cost about thousand dollars and he had been he had been mowing lawns all summer to save up money to buy this really cool telescope because you know he's a geek and you know he's got to own a telescope apparently <laughs> and um I owned one. so you know he's at the store he sees her in the dress store like freaking out because she can't afford the dress and he's he's at the mall to go buy his uh, telescope and he makes that deal and the deal is to be friends for, uh to, to pretend to date for a month um and and what's good about it is that because he because she's the one that knows that they're faking, he's real around her. He's himself around her, but around their friend or her friends, he's acting cool and she's making him cool and he's saying and doing all the right things. And, you know, he starts and he starts getting popular and he starts dating other girls and uh um but he's he's turning kind of really into a jerk. And and you're right, she was falling for him and and you know, she didn't like um you know, they they were supposed to have a fake breakup at the end of the month but it seems like it was real for her because she was really caring about him and he was acting like a real jerk um you know but he loses his original friends for his fake friends um you know you shit my house <laughs> you know hmm. uh, that kind of stuff and it, it was really it was really good because it hit a lot of different things like that and like i said you don't you didn't know the other side of like how it was stressful for being popular you never really thought about that um you know, because I mean, when you're not popular, I guess it feels feels like it's easy to be popular for some people, you know. But you know, here she was saying, you know, it's work too. I gotta work as hard. It's you're always thinking about other people, and you get, there's there's a price to pay, I guess. And um, you know, it changed him when he became popular. He moved away from the things he liked. He moved away from his friends. Uh, but yeah, but uh, can't buy me love is a great move. Such a great. That's such a great ending, feel good ending, and because he really gets demolished, I think, right where everybody shuns him. Oh, she, because because she exposes him at a party and says, "Hey, you know what? I think it's Ronald. Ronald was his name. Yeah, Ronald. Ronald because he paid me a thousand dollars to be his girlfriend, and you bought into it. So blah blah blah. And they kind of like shunned him after that because of uh, what he did. Right, so the, the the popular kids shunned him, and then he was already being shunned by the geeks because he, he started acting like a jerk toward them all. Right. So, you know, he was sitting, uh, it ends with him pretty much, he's sitting in the cafeteria alone, um, and then he had a he had a geek friend that was helping one of the popular kids, like, tutor him, tutor her, and... Um, the jocks were, like, you too, right. you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, go back to your side, you know, what are you paying, are you paying to be friends? And he threatened to beat him up, and then... Uh, Ronnie, you know, takes a baseball bag and gives his whole speech. Your side, our side, it don't matter, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so it ends with you know school ending, and then he's mowing a lawn, and and the girlfriend that he paid for is like driving by with her friends, and they stop the car, and she gets out, and they they make up, and they they mow the lawn. They mow the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just a really great movie. My, uh, it's funny because my my niece recently went through this whole. 
Uh, she loves the Beatles things, and I guess Can't Buy Me Love was on Netflix recently or something. Yeah. She she watched it. She had no idea what it was about. She just liked the title because it's a it's a Beatles movie. And then she texts me. She's like, Uncle John, do you ever see this movie called Can't Buy Me Love? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's so great. And, and she asked me for a list of 80s movies to watch after that. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, there I have to be very careful with my selection, though. <laughs> <laughs> but th- this one's, I think this one's very doable. You know, for, yeah, I can't think of anything it's in this movie. It's got a good message. Was, yeah, it's got a good message. I don't remember anything, like, too, too graphic like the previous ones we've mentioned so far. All right. You know, I mean, Fast Times is way off it. Off the charts, but this one oh, it's, it's very doable. Very I mean, he has sex. He has sex with the girl in the car, but even that's not. I don't think. Oh, wait, Michelle. I, well, I don't know why I keep remembering nudity in these movies, but I don't, yeah, I don't remember they did. Yeah, this one's okay, I think. Yeah, but um, maybe maybe because she maybe she was stripped down to a bra. Uh, for me, was nudity back in the day. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but I remember the one jock like like the little brothers hiding in the back of the station wagon, and he, he has to fart, so he lets one loose in the back of the station. <laughs> and he smokes at the little brother. <laughs> and that was great. That little brother was such was so great because the little brother was popular like in his school, right? And, and like he kind of loved the fact that his older brother was a nerd. And <laughs> when he started turning, he's like, "What's going on here? I don't understand any of this." And he's like, he's like spying on him, trying to find out what's going on. That was a good movie. I'm gonna have to watch that again. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Can't remember that. Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, he was another one that had this string of movies in in the '80s, and then he kind of disappeared for a while, and then he came back with um, Grey's Anatomy. Doctor Dreamy. Yeah, I made him McDreamy. Yeah, I made him. Big oh, and enough. he did um, Enchanted with uh, what's her name? Amy Adams. Amy Adams. I like that movie. Yeah, it's a good one. I like Amy Adams. Okay. All right. What you got right. next? Good one. Um. What did I not talk about yet? All right, let's go with uh, a movie. I know you don't like the star, but this is, I don't, you have to tell me if you like this movie or not. I nope. don't know if this, you really don't. Nope. You've seen it. Nope. Oh. <laughs> this because, is one of, because of him. Yeah, I got to tell you, though, this is one of the funniest movies, I think, to come out of the 80s. And really? It's so it's offbeat and it's funny. Uh, it was directed and written by a guy named Savage Steve Holland. Uh, who did this and he did another movie. He's done a lot of stuff, but he did this and another one with John Cusack called One Crazy Summer. But the movie I'm talking about is Better Off Dead from 1985. This movie is so ridiculously <laughs> funny. Okay. It's John Cusack's just a regular, and, I, and here he's not a nerd, he's not a geek, he's just a regular guy, right? He skis, they live in, I guess they live in Utah or something, but they live somewhere where he can ski, ski all the time. Um, But He's just this regular guy. His name's Lane Meyer. Um, he's got a strange parents. He's got a strange little brother. Um, his friend, his, his his friend in this is a is a, played by Curtis Armstrong, who played Booger in the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Oh yeah, like he's like a big drug addict, not an addict, but like a big druggie in the movie. Um, it, it's just so funny. It's it, it, what's funny about this movie is Lane's like the only normal guy. And everything around him is ridiculous. You know, like a running joke during the movie is they owe the paper boy two dollars for, you know, delivering newspapers. And the whole movie is the kid just chasing him down. And he's got one line. I want my two dollars. Um, but the kid will chase him down on the bike. He'll chase him down on the mountain slopes when he's skiing. He pops up everywhere. And all he keeps saying is, I want my two dollars, two dollars. And he just it's just so ridiculously funny um he races there's these two 
I get I think they're Japanese. Like he's got a car. He's got like a really cool car in this driveway that he bought that he always meant to fix up. But but for now he's driving like this real broken down station wagon. And there's these two uh, Japanese guys that drive a souped up car that want to race them every time they see each other. But they learned how to speak. They learned how to speak English by watching Monday Night Football. So they, they both have like Howard Cosell accents and they talk like Howard Cosell. <laughs> That's good. It's just so funny, and uh, so he's trying to make the ski team. And who's the bad guy in this? I was going to say William Zabkin, but he's not. Um, I don't know that that he became a big actor or anything, but um, you know, he's he he has to. Uh, he he has this girlfriend. He's, the movie starts where he has this one girlfriend. They've been together for like two years. You know, his whole life revolves around her, and then um, she breaks up with him beginning of the next of the current school year about to start. At the guy with the with the head of the ski team and the most popular guy and all this stuff and this is where to get the title from Better Off Dead because he also spends the movie you know two or three times trying to commit suicide but like in the most ridiculous ways like he goes to jump to jump off an overpass and he lands in a in a gar an open garbage like a dump truck filled with like trash like soft trash um, and, and then when it stops it stops and the two uh, the two garbage men collecting trash are African American. And they go, and they see him in there. They go, "Ain't that a shame? Someone threw out a perfectly good white boy." <laughs> uh, he tries to drink like some kind of concoction of gasoline and fuel, um, but his neighbor accidentally drinks it, and then she lights a cigarette, and, her, and she blows up. But it's a comical blow up, you know. It's not like it's almost like a Looney Tunes. You know, her face is all black, and <laughs> her <laughs> eyes are big. <laughs> it's, just, um, it's just so funny. Uh, and then he he meets the uh, across the street. The neighbor who actually blows herself up it gets a, a foreign exchange student who is from France, pretends she doesn't speak Fran- French uh, English because the, uh, the the woman across the street she's living with wants to hook her up with her son, who's this big goofball, and uh, she pretends she can't speak English, but she can speak English, and she you know she becomes friends with Lane through that, um, and you know she she eventually helps her forget about helps Lane forget about the ex-girlfriend and there's this really really weird non-sequitur scene where he, he works at a fast food joint and he's like making hamburgers and then uh, a Van Halen song pops up and it becomes this whole claymation scene where the hamburger comes to life and it's dancing and singing the, the Van Halen it's crazy it's so fun it's really funny though but it's so quotable you know obviously my two dollars you know I saw John Cusack a couple of weeks ago out at a con and of course, someone had to ask him, and he screwed up because he owed the newsboy two dollars. But someone asked him, "Did you ever get your two dollars?" We're like, "Ah, oh, dude, it's embarrassing." <laughs> you know, he gets he gets asked that like a thousand times a day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's so funny. I can't believe if you could just get past him. Although he's a big part of the movie, he's a star. I just think you'd like it. I really think you'd like it. I think you're missing out a lot for not liking him. Uh, you know, I, I've tried. There is one movie I do like that he did. Uh, that movie, Identity. Right. I mean, I liked him in that. I just... You know what, what really killed it for me? And I, I, I was going to bring it up earlier when you brought up 16 Candles. And I just can't get that thought of him being that freaking geeky guy with the... He had, like, night vision goggles and stuff. <laughs> and, you know, when he comes out of the room and, and, and even... even uh, Anthony Michael's art character like knocks it off his head. He's like, "Would you take those things off?" And then, and after that movie, I think he did. Uh, I want to say, say anything or something like that. It, it could have been. I don't know. Just, I just he's just one of those guys where I I can't give him a pass. I don't. I mean, he's there. It's it's fine. 
I mean, I liked it. What's the other one uh, he did? Um, uh, Air, Air, Con Air, I think was the other one. Right. Uh, he was I, he was fine in that one. Yeah, but I'm talking about more of like his, his 80s movies, like The Sure Thing, Better Off Dead, uh, nope. One Crazy Summer. Nope. Stand, Stand nope. By Me, he played the big brother. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't the main part of the movie. Okay, Eight Men Out. Nope. Uh, all right, Say Anything. Nope. Dude, these, these are all classic 80s movies. Man. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'll live my life. I'll be no, okay. I get it. I mean, these are people out there I don't like that people love, but I don't know. Better off between Better Off than Say Anything. Too, there are two movies I consider really, really great movies, and and uh, it's just odd that you've never been exposed to the comedy of Better no, Off. No, I'm Dead. sure. I'm sure these are you know beloved films. I know I've got a lot of slack because I've said it in like John Cusack, but I got nothing personal against them. It's just it's one of those things, you know. But hey, I, I know these are great movies. A lot of people talk very highly about them and stuff, and uh, maybe one of these days. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, like I said, there are people I don't like, and. Yeah, you're right. There's just for some reason we latch on to certain things about certain actors and we won't watch their movies. Yeah, you know, Emilio Estevez is one of them too. <laughs> he's one of those guys. I he like he's there. I know he's popular at the time, but like he just didn't do it for me. You know, I liked I liked his brother Charlie better for some reason. Charlie Sheen, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, right. maybe one of these days I'll I'll pick it up. Yeah, we should we should do a thing where we both choose a movie for each other from that we we don't we think we don't like or we've never seen or we don't like the actor and watch it and then do a show on it with yeah. our thoughts of the movie pass <laughs> <laughs> i did identity that that was that was a stretch well that me. was that was for your other show though <laughs> yeah but I, I liked it i liked it a lot identity was well it's funny the ones you like are he's older he's not playing the teenage you know those those 80s teen movies you know between identity and the other and you know Con what's Air. funny yeah. he he did that film Edgar Allan Poe and that's a movie I wanted him to be good at like I wanted that movie to be good yeah I didn't like it that. good no, no. I didn't like well it here all. well here's another thing he hasn't been making good movies recently he he's like he's turning out to be like the Nicolas Cage I see his yeah. name all over Netflix all the time yeah and you're he's right just, he's just kind of doing anything at this point um poor guy and High Fidelity is a great movie too Yep. <laughs> Don't feel bad for him. Trust me, he's living. He's living a good life. I saw him. I saw him at the con. He's fine. He's, he's, he's big, doing fine. He's a he's a big Cubs fan. He just won the World Series a couple of years ago. He's doing all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, better off. Look at this though. Okay, okay I'm gonna watch. Hey, the movie. No, no, I'm gonna watch the movie today. Know. How about that? Huh? I'll, I'll watch it today. Which one? Were you really better off dead? I'll, I'll look for it. All right. So I don't it, hate the guy. I'm just saying it's just one of those things I didn't gravitate to back in the 80s. Just, you know. Oh, I said I'm reading the numbers wrong. Uh, all right. So the box office doesn't say what it costs, uh, but it grossed 10.2 million. 10.3, we'll say. We'll round up. Okay. 10.3 million, um, which is modest. This is one of those movies that I think became a hit on. I'm, I'm telling you what, a lot of these movies, because of VCR and, 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 and home video, got really huge you know what i mean yeah and, and I, you know what it is and now i think about it because we're talking about what about these movies made them classics and stuff like that i think a lot of this has to do with the vcr because we were able to watch these and cable we were able to watch these movies over and over and over again yeah blockbuster right but if it wasn't for you know before the vcr we were um yeah we, we didn't were, have uh, streaming services yeah. at the time you can only see it whenever it was on TV every once in a while, but between cable TV and VCR, you could see the movies pretty much anytime you wanted to. Right. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give it better off that. 
<laughs> you could. Yeah, if you do watch it today, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. I'll look. I, I promise I'll look for it. Sounds right. funny. I think. Okay, my next movie has, I'll be honest with you, looking at this cast, I don't think, other than the bad guy or the bad boyfriend, I don't know if these guys did anything else, but I, I could be wrong. Um, this movie, I think, is brilliant. It's called Just One of the Guys. Um, again, the, the star, Joyce Heiser. Um, mm -hmm. Her her friend is Clayton Rohner. I mean, these these names don't really ring a bell. Um, the 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 bad boyfriend William Zabka again, you know, playing that role. Um, but the gist is is there's this uh, Terry, um, the main character. She is this journalist, and she's trying to get like an internship at a newspaper. And basically, from from what I got from remember is that I think in in school they, they said the only reason why she did so well was because of her good looks. And so she says, well, if that's the case. Um, let me see if I can get this internship if I'm a boy. So with the help of her brother, she goes to another school and dresses like a boy, sounds like a boy, and she just wants to get that kind of experience of what's it, what would life be like as a guy. Um, she befriends this, uh, this guy, his name is uh, Rick, and he kind of like helps, him, helps her along. And he is one of those, uh, I guess not really good with his social skills and she kind of helps him come out of his shell and um and then uh so really nothing in between i guess because you know he they just think they're buds and stuff um but i guess terry maybe started falling for rick towards the end of the movie anyway long story short at the, at the prom she reveals herself to him and uh oh boy does she <laughs> yeah and instead of <laughs> instead of like turning around and saying oh my god i love you he was kind of like you've been lying to me this whole entire time and he actually leaves her and stuff but she does get that 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 internship because of the paper that she wrote and uh and then he finally reads it and says okay I, I understand what you were doing and they kind of uh walk off to the sunset but i thought this was a brilliant film again there's no big actors in this one um just an interesting concept of a girl trying to figure out what it's like to be a guy. Oh, and her brother's her brother, younger brother's hilarious in this too, because he's always trying to get laid. Also, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think he hooks up with one of her friends too. So anyway, just one of the guys. Did you see that movie? I did. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, and I was just looking. It's it's a PG thirteen. I thought. I, I guess I'm, I I thought nudity is an automatic R, but I guess not because she does when she reveals herself at the prom. She just. In a big way, her shirt, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you, you see her, her clavage and her boobage, um, for just hanging out there. So, yeah, but it's PG thirteen, so I guess nudity doesn't automatically make it an R. But yeah, it was really good. And Charlotte Finn was in it. Uh, William Zapka was in it. Um, she's really pretty, actually. I didn't realize how pretty um, Joyce Heiser was. Um, she kind of got that Justy Bateman look to her a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. From uh, Family Ties, yeah. Um, I also read that she was a lot older than what she's, you know, than the role that she played. Like, she was, like, in her late 20s, I think. Yeah, she was born in 57, so yeah. this is, what, like, an 85, 86? So she's yeah. almost 30 years old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was it was good, and it was, it was very funny. It was, uh, it's just... I don't know. I, I kind of watched the movie like, how did he not know that's a girl? Because she would just like drop her voice a little bit to talk like a guy. She had a short <laughs> haircut. You know? Oh, I thought she did a, a good. I mean, like when she reveals herself at the end of the movie, 
You would not think that. Well, they hit them very well. Let's put it that way. Right. I mean, they did a good job with that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, it was it was one of those ones, and I don't know that it was a huge hit or anything like that, but it's definitely one. That, that was another one I feel like I watched it over and over again because it was on like HBO or something. Yeah, for the boobs. No, no, no it, it was <laughs> it was a good flick. It was a good flick. Yeah, made me. Yeah, and it was eleven half million bucks. It was directed by a female too, so you know, girl power. Cool. Um, just one of the guys. Poor William yeah. Zabka. I mean, the dude. I mean. He plays, always plays the bad guy. Yeah, he was kind of typecast. I asked him about that at the con. I just saw him at, uh-huh. and uh, he's like, "Well, I was, I, I what did I say? Uh, I said the uh, the anti-hero." And he goes, "You mean the jerk, the a-hole?" I was like, "Oh, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean like that." But he's like, "No, no." He's like, "He's like, I always try to find." He goes, "I never viewed him as as the bad guy. I just tried to find there." I don't know if he's being serious or not, but he was just like, I was just trying to find their motivation, why they were doing it. Because nobody, he's like, because no, you know, he's like, nobody thinks they're the bad guy, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah it makes sense. Nobody really thinks they're the bad guy. Hey, <laughs> so. it's work, you know? He, <laughs> they're going to hire me, he's going to work. That's yeah, so job. let's see, let's take a little detour. Karate Kid, he was the bad guy. Uh, just one of the guys who was the bad guy. Vacation, he wasn't the bad guy, but he was a jerk. European Vacation. Oh yeah, yeah. Back, um, to, back school? to school. He jazz. Was the guy. <laughs> Even the name, yeah. jazz. Come on. <laughs> uh, and then, then it just goes to a bunch of stuff that I haven't seen. Where he probably played the bad guy. Not at all. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was, it was a good. I liked just one of the guys. It was, it was, it was good for its time. Yeah, it's had its funny moments. You know, I, I didn't like the, I didn't like the guy that they were trying to put over as a good, as the, the, like the one she winds up going with, the oh, nerd Rick? or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just there's something about him I didn't like. I was like, would she really go for this guy? You know? Yeah, I don't know. He yeah, he, so. he would say Cindy Lauper weird. He said Cindy Lauper. That bugged yeah, me. Yeah. It's Idiot. Just, I think his hair did bug me too in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for All a no right. name cast, I thought this one did pretty well. Yeah, true. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good, good choice. Thank you. All right, my next one. I've probably seen more than I probably should have. Uh, as you know, Alan, I briefly, and I can't say the word briefly loud enough or long enough, briefly wrestled in high school. Uh, and around the same time that happened, uh, a little movie came out called Vision Quest. Uh, Trying out for the sport doesn't mean you're, you're on the wrestling team. No, I was I was on the team for a year <laughs> and a half. Shut up. <laughs> um, star Matthew Modine, Linda Florentino. Again, Jake from uh, Sixteen Candles, Michael Schoff, Schoffling, uh, Ronnie Cox, who was in Beverly Hills Cop and Robocop, um, uh, Miss Daphne Zuniga, who I also met last week, a couple of weeks ago, was in it. And Forrest Whitaker. Whit- Whitaker. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he, he was? was yeah. He was one of the wrestlers. Oh, no on kidding. The, on, on this team. Yeah. So basically, Vision Quest is about this really great, he's a great high school wrestler. His name Loud, first of all, Loudon Swain. What a great name. His name is Lam Swain, um, and he's entering his senior year, and he's got one dream. He, you know, he's 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 reached the pinnacle at his weight class, uh, you know, um, with his high school. He's got one, but there's the best wrestler in the state, any weight class, is a guy named Shoot. Shoot. I'm trying to look up his name. Sh- oh, it's just Shoot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
uh, Dwight Shute. No. Um, his name you know what's Shute. funny? His name is Brian Shute, but I always thought they is made it him. Well, according to, yeah, online here. Um, but I always thought they called him Shoot because that's a wrestling move when you shoot for the leg. Right. right I always thought that's why they called him Shoot. I didn't realize that was his real name. Yeah. No. Anyway, so yeah, so uh, Brian Shoot is the best wrestler in the state, but he wrestles at a lower weight class than um, a lot of Swain. So uh, his vision quest is to get down in weight so he can wrestle Shoot for the state championship. They had to drop like thirty pounds. Yeah, he dropped. He had dropped him a stupid amount of weight, which yeah. is very hard. And then he wasn't a fat. I mean, he was. He's a tall guy, um, and he was still trying to lose weight. Uh, so it's partly about that. It's it, but it, what kind of gets in his way is he meets this twenty-one-year-old woman. I don't want to say she's a drifter, but she's kind of you know she's. I guess she's traveling somewhere. Her car breaks down. Her dad, his dad, uh, fixes it, and they wind up staying. She winds up staying in their guest house or something. Um, and they, you know, he he pursues her. She eventually gives in. They have a romantic relationship, and he kind of forgets all about the wrestling. He's like, "Oh, like why was I focusing on this when I could be having sex with a twenty-one-year-old?" <laughs> you know. Um, and then she realizes that she's a distraction to him. She kind of leaves him so he can focus. Um, and Daphne Zunique is the high school girl that kind of likes him, but she's, again, playing to type. She's a nerdy girl, and I think she's a scorer or a manager on the wrestling team. And um, uh, so she's kind of the background player, but he's... So uh, Linda Florentine leaves him. He's sad. He gets back, you know, uh, the guy that plays uh, his friend Michael Schofling, Cooch, his name was. Uh, he talks into getting back on his, you know, his vision quest, his goal. Because, I mean... It was pretty awesome that he had the singular focus that that's what he wanted to do and that's what he had to do. Like he, had to, he didn't care, cut the weight. He didn't care. He was passing out in class. He didn't care. He was having nosebleeds. You know, he was going to get to this way. He's going to wrestle this guy shoot, and he was going to win. All he wanted to win. Um, so I mean, he goes he, back. He to, was focused. You're talking about a guy wrestling heavyweight. Is heavyweight 190, and he had to go down to 168. And and he's. It's not like, like he said, he's tall, but it's not like he had much to. I mean, he was ripped already. Right. And to figure out where he's going to lose 30 pounds, it's unreal. I remember when they had a weigh-in, it's like it was down to like... He had to take his underwear off. And I if you catch this, I remember this too. When he took off everything he's, and he, he blows out all him? of his air. He's like, yeah. he's, like yeah. he was, he's, he's pushing the air out of him to make him lighter. To make The thing weight. was, he, he was doing everything that I saw people do. I, I was never one to cut weight. So um, the other wrestlers, you know, he had the the... the, the not aluminum suit, but the suit that sweat like suit. it's a sweatsuit. Well, no, no, it's when you think a sweatsuit, you think a cotton. He's wearing no, it was like, like a garbage bag, like, like an aluminum garbage. Yeah, it, it holds in the heat, so you sweat more. And he's jogging at five o'clock in the morning. He's working his his job in the hotel, and uh, you're right. He had that singular focus. He was he had his vision quest, and then falling in love um, kind of distracted him from that. So she leaves him, um, and he wakes his way back to it. You know, she shows up to his final match against you. You know, spoiler, he winds up winning. Um, but she leaves. So it's kind of like that realization that... I, I don't think it was about... I don't think he was in love. I th or maybe he thought he was in He did. I think he says to her, I love you. But I, she knew it wasn't about love. It was really more about just having the sex, more or less. And then he kind of... It ends with him kind of giving Daphne Zika like, Oh, hey, you're there. And you're cute. Kind of look, you know? Hmm. So you might think they might wind up together, but it's just a great move. I mean, the wrestling, of course, is great, and and the um, 
just a mindset to have to, to really just stay focused on on your goal um, and not let yourself be distracted. It was just such it, it was it per, the movie came out perfect timing for me and my age and, and my friends because we were wrestling and you know we we wanted to have that singular focus when we were. So, so how did how did this movie affect you in your wrestling career? Did it do anything uh, for you? No. <laughs> Okay. No, I, mean, I was I was a good wrestler, so it, there was a movie wasn't going to make me better. <laughs> what happened to your vision quest, bro? Come on. Uh, well, this this kind of came. This was out kind of toward the end when I had to decide if I was going to do it or not. Because I was never good enough to know I would make varsity. I mean, they might have thrown me onto varsity senior year, right? Uh, just because you're a senior, you know. <clears throat> but I I didn't think I was never going to be. No, and it's not even the sense of being good enough. You have to be. I don't know how much you know about wrestling, but you have to be better than the kids in your school at that weight. Right. You know, and I was never better than the kids at my weight. And one way around that is, to, you know, the coach would be like, "Well, lose weight and go to a, see if he can win at a different weight class." Right. And, um, you know me; I don't lose. I would. I would have doing what they did to lose weight would have worked for me, obviously. Yeah. So, um, I'm my cousin. I think he met my cousin. Uh, he 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 weighed like one one oh seven or whatever, but he would always cut to go down to like ninety nine. What? He was a racist. Oh yeah, he wrestled. Wait, like, cousin Al? Yep. Oh what? Okay. Wrestled real. He was good too. He was oh. real good. Um, but he was lean, dude. He, I don't think I don't know. I can tell you how much fat he's got on his body, if any. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Vision Quest was just great. Just great. It was fun cool to watch. Flick. That's a cool flick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and and, and uh, a very young Madonna had two hit songs on it: "Get Into the Groove" and uh, "Crazy, crazy for, you. for You." Yep. I would say that's probably the most memorable thing about that movie. Well, that that and him skipping rope in that in the gym with only one light above his head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the other lights were broken except one. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He was like, while his team was wrestling, before he was gone on the mat, he was still like trying to lose exercising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that's a good film. That's a great film. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, we're running long here. Let's see. All right, you got one more. Uh, I got one more. Okay, here we go. Last American Virgin, 1982. So this is probably one of the earlier ones that we've talked about so far. Again, not not a not a big name cast. And I'll be honest with you, when I think of the plot, I remember the plot being absolutely ridiculous. Like the first half of the movie, it kind of reminds me of American Pie. Like him and his buddies are all trying to lose their virginity. But anyway, there is one girl. She's a she's a new girl to school. And he has an eye for her and stuff. And apparently she doesn't really like him. She likes his friend, you know. And uh, the friend and her, they hook up. She gets pregnant. Kind of like what happened in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And the friend, however, you know, finds out he's pregnant. He basically says, get out of my face. You know, get, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm done with you. And uh, she was kind of taken aback. And, and uh, oh, what is the kid's name in this movie? Oh, Gary, that's right. Gary goes up to her and says, hey, you know, don't worry, don't cry. I'll take care of you and he goes out and you know gets the money and and helps her kind of go through this you know abortion and stuff and you know and he kind of confesses his his feelings with her and you know they kiss i'm i don't think they hooked up but i think well as far as you know for the movie they kiss and what makes this movie so memorable is the end of the movie um she invites him to her 16th birthday or 18th birthday it was her birthday party and he's all dressed up and saves all this money to buy her this, I think it was a necklace or some jewelry. 
and, he, and he's walking to the party and everyone's saying hi to him and he goes in the kitchen and there she is making out with the same guy that got her pregnant in the first place. Yeah, and he was like, oh man, that was so devastating. Oh, he was <laughs> devastated. I mean, the look on his face and I don't, I don't even think he even said a word. He no. slowly walks out of the house, gets into his car, he's driving home at night He's, he's crying, crying, right? He's yeah. crying as credits roll. And that's how the movie ends. He drives off a cliff. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, cause, and, and the thing was, the boyfriend that got her pregnant was really... Did he say, like, how do you know it's mine? Like, he was like a real a-hole. Oh, he was her, a real jerk she, to her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the friendship broke up because him, uh, Gary, and, and that guy were friends for a long time, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think they did have sex because I think he was done being a virgin. But he was... He, I mean... He felt deeply in love with her um, because she did. She had the abortion when they were supposed to be on a ski trip, and they stayed at his grandmother's house or something. Like oh, for and when he, she you know, recovered, yeah. Yeah, he paid for the abortion. He helped her recovery. He, he fed, it was ridiculous how he took care of her, um, and that and for it to end that way is just insane. First of all, she looks like the biggest a hole, <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of looks like a big nudge too because of it. But um. Yeah, it was really. I got a great story about this movie because um, this movie came out in '82, right? So I was about 10 years old. So I had a fifth grade teacher that did not like me, uh, and I'll be fair, I was kind of a nudge in the classroom, um, but she did not like me. So she winds up having this. She has a party at the end of the school year at her home, like she invites all the kids. You got her pregnant? Right? No. Oh. She didn't invite me, and I was fine because I didn't like her. So I was like, I don't care if you invite me. Maybe she didn't invite all the kids, but she invited some of the kids. Uh, and my friends were going. Some of my friends were going, and I was going out with my, my family anyway. We we had like a bowling pizza thing we were doing. So she has this party, whatever. I see I see my friends from school later in the summer. I'm like, oh, how was the party? And I remember this so distinctly. Like, how was the party? This is when VCRs were new too, or she might have even had a Betamax. And she's like, oh, I was right. my friend's like, oh, it was okay. You know, they barbecued and her, her brother was there. You know, brother was maybe early 20s or whatever. And um, uh, we watched a movie on, on the Shadow VCR. We watched a movie. I'm like, oh, okay, what did you watch? She goes, well, the brother, she sent the brother to go out and get a movie for us. I'm like, what, 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 did, what did you watch? He goes, we watched The Last American Virgin. This is his greatest. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, she, she's like, Miss So-and-so, the teacher, was, was cleaning. And we were downstairs with the brother watching the movie. <laughs> I said, you watched the last, I said, our fifth grade teacher showed you guys the last American Virgin. Wow. They go, yup. I was like, that is so hilarious. <laughs> now, you know, if something like that happened now, that teacher would be fired. Like all sorts of craziness would happen. But I'm like, man, now I'm sad I missed the party. <laughs> but that's what I remember about last year. And then, of course, when I saw it, because that's like a twist ending. You know, because the guy always gets the girl. You don't think that's going to happen. Oh, this ending was very real. Was very, very real. Because she, you know, liked the friend because, well, he was a very good looking guy, you know. And she went right back to the guy that was a jerk to her, you know. And you know, that's saying that girls like bad boys. This is, this was it, you know. And I, I just love how this movie ends. It's, you know, the whole movie is just one big roller coaster. It start, like I said, the first half hour, just a bunch of nonsense of. These guys so trying to lose their virginity. Trying to lose their virginity, right? It's really, and then then so is Shift scared to a very serious topic, and it ends with him. I'm telling you that that ending scene of him just in the car, crying, and the credits rolling, and that you know that song uh, at the end of the movie. It is so powerful. You're just like, what the hell? 
you know. Yeah. But that's what I think. That's what makes it good. I think if it movie if it movie ended any differently, I don't think we'd be t- talking about this movie today. You no, know? no. If, if it ended with him getting the girl, we'd be like, all right. Yeah, move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think that's that little jewel for this movie is, is how this movie ends. So if you haven't right. seen it, I just ruined it for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a spoiler. Spoiler. Okay. All right, my last movie, and uh, I know I said Sixteen Candles is probably the one most identified with the '80s, but now that I think about it, I think it's got to be this one. It's got to be. I this think one. this. I think this one resonates more. I think it's it, it's looked upon as a much better movie. Uh, than 16 Candles. Um, it's a drama, but it's got some funny moments in it. It costs uh, a billion to make and grossed in the US 45 million and worldwide 51 million, which is a huge right. <laughs> take. It's The Breakfast Club. Love this freaking movie. Breakfast Club. Um, Emilio Estevez, uh, Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy. It's about uh, five kids who have Saturday detention and the hijinks that is who um, on this particular Saturday. Uh, yeah, so what, I think what makes this movie great is each each of the five represent a different clique or social group in school. Uh, you have the jock, the weirdo, the princess, the nerd, and the, uh, the stoner or the outcast. Um, the criminal. The criminal. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because they right the movie poster, right? <laughs> uh, you know, Molly Ringwald across the princess. Uh, Emilio Estevez, the jock. He wrestled. Um, Anthony Michael Hall's the geek, of course. Ali Sheev's the weirdo, and Jen Nelson's the criminal. Uh, and it's just a it's just a great uh, peek into uh, cliques and social status in high school, at least for the eighties, and it's probably. I would say it's probably today. Maybe it looks different today, but I think the same underlying things are there. And I think that's why it resonated so much, not just with our generation, but I think, you know, uh, uh, you know, kids that saw it that were growing up in the 90s, kids that saw it that were growing up in the 2000s, I think it resonates with them too. Um, just masterfully done John Hughes movie uh, written by John Hughes. Uh, I was telling you earlier that this became like, uh, a movie that was shown in health class when we were talking about peer pressure and and clicks um, to kind of illustrate it. Um, you know, it ends with them all being friends, but there, you know, there's, a, there's a PC that knows that, you know, and they even discussed in the movie that, you know, a week from now, two weeks from then, are they still going to be friends? Are they still going to say hi to each other? Uh, you want to think that they will, but, you know, will they, you know? Um, you never know, and it's it's just a massively written movie. Um, the, even the principal, where you know it's not a guy that's happy where his life is, and you know he like he, his realization that this is what he went to you know went to college for, and this is his career, and you know and it's actually kind of pointed out to him by the uh, by the, um, the custodian, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's just great, you know. It, it's just a great movie. Um, I'll tell you something cool about the custodian. When the movie starts off, you know they, you know the kids are entering the school, and it, it passes by like all the awards and trophies. The number one jock is a custodian. You see, is his, it really? Yeah, you see his picture there, and it just goes to show that in high school, you know they're talking about like how you are in high school doesn't define who you're going to be as you get older. Right. You know? So you would think, oh, the the the, the jock is going to make it big. No, he became the custodian. You know. Yeah. And, and the teacher, he's still there you know and he, and he never really learned kids 
you know? Right, right. He never he didn't grow in, in regards to having to interact with the kids and stuff like that. But I think the the, the genius of this, this movie is, and it's obviously all in the writing, is they start out as those stereotypes. But you get to understand. And it's kind of like um, what we talked about earlier with um, Can't Buy Me Love, you know, about the pressure to be popular. And Molly Ringwald has a little soliloquy on that, too, about being popular, how hard it is. Hmm, yeah. But they all have, you know, through talking, through talking about themselves, they all find out that they're really just the same. You know, right. you know, they all deal with parents that, you know, maybe don't treat them like crap, treat them like crap, but in different ways. Like uh, the Jock's parent is too overbearing, you know, too much about winning. Um, Judd Nelson's parent ig- ignores him, you know, things like that. Um, the Bowser case she, had nothing to, better to do. <laughs> Yeah, like she didn't even have detention that day. She just had nothing to do. Um, her parents, her parents ignored her. Like she didn't know where she was. They didn't care where she was. Right. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character had he he related to the jock most of all because he's getting the same pressure, just not about sports. It's about his academics. Right. Know? So, it's it, it's really a good uh, piece of writing that really lets you into the mindset. And, and the thing is. As a, as teenagers, we're we're fortunate that it came out while we were teens, because I think it was saying things that kids were feeling but didn't know how to express. At least at least for me, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like like I I was not a cool kid by by any stretch of the imagination, <clears throat> but you would look at the cool kids and be like, oh, life is easier for them. Like you know, if they want you know, they have the girlfriends, they 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 play sports well, they they get good grit. Everything's easy for them. Everything is given to them. Everything comes to them. And you know, a movie like this makes you think, well, maybe it's not so. Maybe I need to change my thinking about what they're going through, you know. And it's not so much that you you sympathize with them. It's just that you empathize in the sense that it's that realization that they're more like you than they're not like you, you know. Right. It's just it's just in different ways. And I don't know if it, I mean, it's mean, like I said, I think it's still meaningful to kids nowadays, like a 50 year old watching that nowadays can see themselves in it. But like we were there, we were there when it came out. We were that age. We were, we were the kids John Hughes was talking to, you know? Right. And, and that's, I think makes it like more, more powerful, I think for us. No breakfast club. I mean, if you had to pick any of these movies that defines the eighties, I think this is probably the most influential out of all of them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. John Hughes says it again. Yeah, yeah. great performance of everybody. Did you hear that Molly Ringwald, I think she was like 15 or 16 at the time, and uh, Judd Nelson was just like a total dick to her like the whole entire time he filmed. Was he really? Yeah, that like people were getting mad at him, but but he wanted to develop that that friction. So when you watch in the movie, boy, she really does not like him. Yeah. I mean, it really comes comes through even on on film and stuff. So I think her, her... Yeah, I think her and Anthony Michael Hall were the youngest on it, and I think they they were probably the most well known at that point, because I think Sixteen Candles had come out the the the, the year before, mm-hmm. and they were both in Sixteen Candles. Right. Um. So yeah, I, I can see Judd, and it's funny because Judd Nelson, you know, we talked a little bit about Saint Elmo's Fire, you and I off air. Um. He he winds up playing this, you know, he graduates college and becomes a preppy. <laughs> you know, he he works on Wall Street and stuff like that. And and you were the one that I think you said you always viewed Samuel's Fire as the Breakfast Club graduating college, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, and and you can totally see if if John Bender, I think his name is, yeah, it, in the movie, John Bender, you know, kind of gets his act together. You can see him kind of going the other way, like <laughs> I'm going to make all this money, I'm going to be a 
you know? That's right. So, it, yeah, it's funny. But, yeah, it's such a great movie. Such a great, great movie. Rewatchable. Um, you can see why they show it in schools and stuff like that. And it was, like I was saying, when we saw it in high school, it was like, oh, my God, the teacher drones move or they curse. You know, so. <laughs> um, and funny enough, that's the rated R movie. No nudity. Uh, but it's probably for language, language and adult yeah. situations. Yeah. 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 I remember watching that movie and they had the detention in the library. And I remember my brother and I were like, wow, look at that library. It's such a cool library. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I had Saturday detentions a few times in high school and we sat in the cafeteria. It was awful. Did you really? Oh, it was awful. And, and it was literally like that. Like you didn't get to do anything. You couldn't do your homework. You couldn't read. You had to sit there for six hours. Oh. oh, I hate it. Wow. Well, we'll stop getting in trouble. Uh, well, yeah, I got to be me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All that right. was fun. Yes. Cool. So uh, we're going to be doing a show talking about the soundtrack of, of some of these movies, of 80s soundtrack movies. So be on the, watch, uh, be on the listen for that. Um, Alan, I got some that th- Gracias is. Do it. Uh, as you know, Gracias is Swahili for thank you. All right. Uh, so I want to say gracias to uh, the, the following people have favored us on Anchor. Uh, Radio Flavor, where the comedy is in your laugh. Gracias. Hello. Um, a young woman whose name is spelled out in a foreign alphabet. I'm not even going to disrespect you by trying to say your name. <laughs> so I want to thank Good you job. for favoring our podcast. Uh, the Nerd Herd by Wiz. Pez Wes, yeah, I say Wes. Uh, thank you very much. And Ryan, thank you for favoring us. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate all our listeners. And we have one following us on Instagram, Daniel <laughs> Wollston. Thank you very much. Uh, we did a poll on Instagram, kind of like related to our topics. Uh, the big one was basically who was your favorite growing up? Was it Alice Sheedy or Molly Ringwald? And Molly, eighty percent over Ali Sheedy, twenty percent. I kind of like Ali Sheedy. I thought she was. I like. I, I, you know what's funny is I think I voted Molly, but I like Ali. <laughs> oh, I That's like right. Molly. I don't know. You had to vote for the popular person, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Pop. I had to be part of the crowd. Right. All right. You can find us at Anchor and Instagram, Nerd and Me, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, YouTube, Nerd and Me podcast. Rate and review on iTunes. Uh, that's about it www.brothersandarmchairs.com oh, where you can hear <laughs> where you can hear Nerd and Me Enter the Nerd Zone. Fat guys in little coats with some spectacular new intros and uh, stuff you don't need to know as well as Defender of the Realm. Wow. Whole lot going on there. Alright. So, uh, welcome back to school guys. Have fun. Have a great school year if you're uh, going to school and uh, we'll see you next time. Till next time. Mart Molly. <laughs>